Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is, who was, and who is coming. Amen. Our text for our sermon is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. This is evidence of God's righteous verdict that resulted in your being counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which you also suffer. Certainly it is right for God to repay troubles to those who trouble you and to give relief to you who are troubled along with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance and flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Such people will receive a just penalty, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from his glorious strength. On that day when he comes to be glorified among his saints and to be marveled at among all those who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in our gospel lesson, Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27, Jesus entrusts minas to ten of his servants. And that would represent both the natural and the spiritual gifts and especially the good news of salvation in Christ that he gives to each one of us. Now, one of them, with the gifts God given him, turned it into ten. One turned it to five. And in both, God said, you've been faithful. Here's a reward. And and the reward is not salvation. We are saved, and that's why we're able to use our minus. But what happens, brothers and sisters in Christ, when the love for the Lord is shining in you and you're being persecuted for it? It certainly happened in ten waves under the Roman Empire, and the Thessalonians were certainly suffering it. We know that the Reformers suffered it at the hands of the very church they were trying to restore to the Scriptures. And brothers and sisters in Christ, let's admit it. It's Veterans Day tomorrow, and we're thankful for the men and women who have served to protect our freedom of speech and religion. But even today, we don't have to fear persecution from our government But there are times at work we can be made fun of, we can be fired. Yes, I've had friends who were fired for giving Christian gifts on Christ Mass Christmas. When you're trying to be faithful with the minus and you're being persecuted, the sinful nature will whisper in your ear, God doesn't love you. God is punishing you. And let's admit it, it has happened, it's been recorded. When people are killing and torturing Christians, they'll often say, Where is your God now? Your God must have let you down. And so today, as we look at end of times in our text, we will ask the question, how can you know you are saved, especially when God's enemies are prevailing over you? Now, to understand our text, we want to read the first two verses before that, verses 3 and 4, where the Apostle Paul, also talking with the evangelist Timothy and Silas, who who were his traveling companions, says, We are always obligated to thank God for you, brothers, as is fitting, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love that each and every one of you has for one another is increasing. So we ourselves boast about you in God's churches in regard to your patient endurance and faith in all your persecutions and in the trials that you are enduring. When Christians ask, how can I know that I am saved? Some will point to tradition. Some, like the Jews, will point to they were born to Christian families. Some will point to a burning in the bosom. And and they insist on having hymns that will really make them feel emotionally charged up. What does Paul point to? 
we're actually told literally in the Greek here in verse 5 that, these, that the things he mentioned in 3 and 4 are evidence of God's righteous judgment. What did he mention? Mentioned faith, growing in the faith. Mentioned love. Mentioned actually being persecuted. Now, it's not that if we go out of the way to make sure we're persecuted, that that's going to be proof of our faith. But do you notice all of those are outside of the person? Faith is God's Holy Spirit working in your heart. He works through the Word. If you want to grow in the faith, you come to the Word. If you want to have strength to stand up, especially when the world is persecuting us, you've got to be in the battery charger of your new man. That's the Word. That's where our faith grows. Love. We are sinners. We deserve nothing but hell because we can't go seconds without thinking thoughts that contradict God's commandment. And so God, out of love for us, even when we were unlovable, became a man and died for us and rose for us after having lived perfectly for us and sends his Holy Spirit working through that word, sent brothers and sisters in Christ with the word to us to strengthen us. And so God has taken his love For fallen mankind, he has loved for you and put it in your heart. Now you're connected to Christ and you cannot help but to love. Now certainly, when somebody really does life-damaging sin against us, we can really struggle because of the psychological impact to completely forgive them. We can struggle. I use an example. A woman who has been raped would probably never want to see that person ever again. We can understand that. But in forgiveness, I can say, I have a friend who was murdered. And the man who murdered him, I will tell you to this day, if I was given the chance, I would share with him the word of God to prevent him from suffering an eternity in hell. God's love is in us. And that love is especially seen as you and I, who are not related at all, physically, well, actually we're related if you go down to Noah and Adam and Eve, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You are my family here at Lord of Lords. There is a love of God that is implanted in us because we're connected to Christ as a branch is to the vine that shines through us. And then there's that persecution that comes because we do love the word of God. So the Apostle Paul says, evidence of God's righteous judgment. It's not God's judgment against you is hating you, not at all. In fact, the preposition that's used here in Greek is ice, and that is translated by uh, the Evangelical Heritage Version as a result clause, which is very good proper Greek. But it can also be an explanatory clause, basically saying, so here's the evidence of God's righteous judgment, specifically that you've been counted worthy of God. It's not that enduring persecution makes you worthy of God. It's that God has judged you righteous in Christ. And that will result in persecution. The world hated Christ and they will hate you for being his little lamb. And so he says, on account of which you also are suffering. Brothers and sisters in Christ, here's the thing. When our next door neighbor in the cubicle at work resents us for being Christian. And let's admit it, we've all known people who can be obnoxious Christians, got to turn up the radio to music that everybody else finds annoying and stuff. That's not the kind of persecution we're talking about. We're talking about the college student who endures professors who seem to have gotten a degree simply to make them fall from the faith, right? We're talking about co-workers who, they don't want to hear about Christ in Christmas. When, and, and we're talking about fear of losing our job if we turn around and tell somebody who's going through a hard time God loves you and he's working for you. 
He's using this for your good. When you're being persecuted, that's actually proof that you're a believer. Think about it. They resent your Savior. They're persecuting you because you are clinging to the Savior. So, how can you know you are saved, especially when God's enemies are prevailing over you? begins with faith. God has given you the faith, and that's, that's just simply wanting to grow, hear the Word of God, and learn it. And, and God works that in us by His Holy Spirit. But then there's the love for our fellow man, even love for those who would persecute us, that we would share the Word of God with them. And lots of times, persecution itself, our sinful nature, will tell us that's a sign that God resents you and hates you, and it's, it's just the opposite. It's they resent God, and if you were not his little lamb, they wouldn't be persecuting you. So you would not bear the Christian cross if God had not made you a Christian. But what about those who persecute us? What about those, and they seem to get away with it? To this day, all around the world, there are Christians who are put to death or tortured because they will not give up their faith. Governments find Christianity... For some reason, even though it teaches us to obey our governments until they tell us to disobey God, for some reason they find Christianity to be something they have to exterminate. And there are governments today that put Christians to death for being Christians. And they often seem to get away with it, don't they? They seem to be the wealthiest people in the land, the guy in control of the persecution, right? The Apostle Paul says in verse 6, Since it is truly right in the judgment of God to pay back trouble and suffering to the disadvantage of those who continue to persecute you. Lots of times we don't know the problems that are going on behind the scenes for those people. And we can look at history at times in which they didn't get away with it. For example, God used the Babylonians as his rod of discipline against the Jewish people, against the Judeans, for turning their back on the word of God. But just because he used the schemes of the Babylonians... Like a father who, in, in the older days, would, would, would discipline his child with a stick, but then he breaks the stick for the whole thing. God broke the Babylonians, didn't he? And then God broke the Persians. We have to look at lots of times, we think they're getting away with it, and they're not, even temporally in this life. But what else does he say? He says, and so pay back relief for you who are being persecuted together with us, at the full revelation of our Lord, specifically Jesus, from heaven together with the angels as messengers of his power. So if they get away with it in this life, if it seems like that, the Apostle Paul says, look ahead. Look ahead to the time when Christ returns because he's going to come with power. And those who abuse their power to hurt you, torture you, or take your life, they're going to know what it's like to see real power on that day. Now, we pray even for them in this life that God does to them like he did with a man named Saul who was persecuting the church. God stopped on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And made him a believer, made him the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul would endure a lot more suffering than what's recorded of the other apostles. And he did it gladly. Because he knew what he had placed on others. He knew he had been forgiven. He knew the mina he had been entrusted with. But for those who continue to reject the Lord right up until the end, we're told he will give punishment and blazing fire to those who, two classes who do not know him. Kind of neat, the Greek word there used is one who's perceived. Oh, there are many people who know there's this historical guy named Jesus who claimed to be the son of God. And sometimes they see him as a wise teacher. Sometimes they see him as a fool, but to have perceived him to be true God and the Savior. 
The God-hating atheist who pounds on his college students in a college or, or the person, the boss at work who has a beef with God and does not see him as a gracious, loving God. In the long run, God says, don't worry. They don't want anything to do with me. And on judgment day, they'll know the penalty. But a second group is listed here. And those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord, namely Jesus. The second group here is the guy who in our gospel lesson was entrusted with the mina and didn't see his master as a kind and gracious master, saw him as a hard God and just hid it away. This is the person who's born to a Christian family and yet when they reach an age never has a desire to have anything else to do with the word of God. This is the person who has their pet sin that society is saying run for it, do this and they know it's against the word of God but they will embrace that. What does it mean to obey the gospel? The law makes ten demands and it never empowers you to keep them. All it can do is call the strikes like an umpire. Going to hell, you know, sin, not sin. But the gospel makes one demand. It demands that faith, that we believe that Jesus is the Christ who's done all the work for our salvation, but it supplies its demand. For the very message that tells us Jesus is the Savior gives us the Holy Spirit who creates and strengthens our faith. So this is the group of people who knew Jesus as their Savior and didn't care. They hid their mina. They didn't want anything to do with it even though they knew it. As Jesus says to one of those seven churches in Revelations, since you are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth and into the flames. So the Apostle Paul says in verse 9, such people will pay the penalty of complete destruction for eternity, being separated from the presence of God and from the glory of his strength. Scripture often uses that picture of a continual nonstop burning in hell. But I have to tell you, as one who knows the Lord and studies his word, that's not what scares me the most of all eternity, even though that sounds absolutely miserable. It's that word being separated from the presence of God. Because even the most God-hating militant atheist or the most God-hating person who's persecuting the church still has food to eat on their table. Still God in this life tries to woo and win them by providing for them. But the absolute separation from the Lord for all eternity. Well, I thank my Lord and Savior that you and I will never have to know what that's like. Our Savior did. That's when he's on the cross and cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I'm thankful. I will never know that misery. Because he did that punishment for you and I. And we're told that they'll be not just separated from the presence of God, but the glory of his strength. God's greatest glory is actually his grace. It seems like weakness to the world as God, man, hangs on the cross and allows himself to be rivaled. But that is his greatest strength. That's his grace in which he takes the punishment for you and I that we deserve. So they're suffering for all eternity away from all the power of God's grace. They will never know God's love again. How can you know you're saved, especially when God's enemies are prevailing over you? You would not bear the Christian cross if God had not made you a Christian. But those who persecute Christians will suffer God's justice one way or the other. And we thank the Lord that he took that justice for you and I. So we have been declared righteous. And so we will endure temporal things in this world. Verse 10 tells us whenever he does come, it is in order to be glorified among his saints and to be marveled at among those who believed 
Because our testimony to you was believed all on that day. How do you know Jesus is the Savior? His word tells you so. How do you know his world tells you so? His Holy Spirit has given you that new man that clings to it. And so in this life, you glorify God. You have the mina. And you can be a plumber or a secretary or a doctor or a lawyer. Your faith shines through in your vocations. Your trust in the Lord. When the world hurls its horrible things at you, you know to cling to the cross of Christ and say, this too shall pass and my Lord is using it for my own good and the good of others. Christians who stand firm in that word glorify God now, whether they realize it or not. We often don't. It's just built into our faith and we will glorify God for all eternity. So judgment day for you and I, it's not something we need to fear. There's a lot of false teachings that come out about Judgment Day where people read their own interpretation, especially into the book of Revelation. But here you are given the great comfort. You know Jesus as your Savior. You cling to his cross. Judgment Day for you will be what was told to the people who were faithful with their minas in our gospel lesson. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless in the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all time now and to all eternity. Amen.